freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studio. And Brooke Roar, you are. And Brooke, you are. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. I've got fire! Oh, yes. Good morning for the final time in Peoria this year, anyway. What a day. What a week it's been. Ah, I don't want to go home. Alaska. <laughs> Kitsap. Don't make us go. Pay for another week. I don't want to go anywhere. I want to just hang out here, talk baseball, interview guys, watch games, play a little golf, sit in the sun, play a little top golf like we did mm. last night, mm. eat some Culver's. I don't want to leave here. I don't want to go home to responsibility in the real world and crappy weather and everything else that you guys are dealing with this morning. I just want to stay here. Anyway, good morning. We are here on Seattle Sports on 710CLSports.com, the Seattle Sports app, and yet, or the application, excuse me, Formal Friday, as you know, Brock, oh. and every single podcast platform in the entire mm. universe. Mm. How about that? Mm. It was fun last night. We had a really good time. Four of us, uh, Brock, Justin, Mora, myself, and Shannon came along as well. A little lefty Shannon, by the way. It was nice of Brock to get her some kids' clubs. And we, uh, we played uh, a little top golf, which was great. I had never done it, and it was significantly more fun than I thought it would yeah. be. I told Brock we were pulling up. I'm like, Soxie, they're going to love mm. this. Yep. You're be like, this is the dumbest thing ever. I've never yep. done it again. Yep. I will say it's right in between. <laughs> right? Don't you think? You had a great time. I loved it, but well, it, is, it could go either way. Like, it's, you're absolutely right on that call. Like, it's like, this could be dumb, but they've made it great. <laughs> yes. And we got kind of the lower end of it. Like, when we walked in, I was like, oh, man, far left bay, first level. Like, if you were on the second mm. or third level and you'd come, you, you would have started right from the jump. Yeah. It took a little while, kind of get it going. I it was really fun. Yep. It was a oh, great, it was a just blast. swinging a golf club and hanging out. Uh, let's see. We will give her some props at 8 o'clock. Shannon? Shannon's going to be a golfer now. From coming in and saying, like, I have no idea what I'm doing, she looked great. For never, ever swinging a club? <laughs> she said she'd never picked For up a club For asking you how to grip it? Yes. And yeah. say she doesn't want to because she's going to get obsessed. <laughs> Afterwards, I was like, Shannon, you can be pretty good at this. And she's like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start playing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I told her I live right by a driving range yeah. now, and if she wants to get together, and she said maybe. She Whoa. should. You guys should do that. And by the way, Mora, incredible improvement yep. from the beginning. <laughs> no joke. I am not, I am not making jokes. Yes. I was legit impressed yep. with Mora's improvement from the beginning. Well, I mean, to be fair, she had some great teaching. Yes. Okay. <laughs> One of us here is an excellent radio guest. There's no question about it. And we got to hear you yesterday. Oh. And I then, do give good guests. And then one of us here is an excellent golf teacher. Who's that? Uh, you. Oh. Yeah. You, you talked to Maura about a little posture, a little bend of the knees, you know, just getting a little I more like athletic this. position. He he's my agent, yep. my golf coach. Those, Pretty much all of uh, those who can't do teach, <laughs> I think is what they say. I think the most fun part was when we were running out of time at the end and everyone was like, speed golf, go, Yes. Go, go. And well, then that's I mean, that's when Jess well, was, was at his best. Get, I'm going to get to that in just a moment. <laughs> oh. I want to quick finish off with Mora. I think Mora has a disadvantage. She's really far from the golf ball. Oh, my god. I mean, god she's got is. legs that are really long, and I think that's a challenge. And so once more, bend her knees just yep. a little bit. I've been teaching Avery, who's also very tall and uh -huh. thin, how to play golf. And so, yeah, I feel like that's sort of maybe where some of that came from. Great. Justin, <laughs> I learned a lot about Justin yesterday. <laughs> I've played a bunch of rounds of golf with Justin. But I learned quite a bit about him yesterday. Whoa. Whoa. So 
I don't know whether you guys have all played Top Golf, but basically you have a choice of, you know, you can take a, a pitching wedge or a six iron or an eight iron or a driver, et cetera, and you got to try to put it in these holes. And if you drive the ball deep, you get the most amount of points. Mm-hmm. Well, Justin kept going back to the driver. Yeah. Over and over again, and he kept slicing it directly into the it's right. It's like that great Marshawn Lynch quote, you know, over and over the and curve, over and over. The curve over. was 120 feet at one point. And over could not over hit it straight. Over. And every time it got nothing for him. So he keeps going, driver, 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 driver. And then he's like, okay, I guess I'll try some wedges or some uh, Brock some turned to the coach, Brock, you're not making adjustments. <laughs> well, it's true. Right? Adapt, overcome, yes. and improvise. He yes. wasn't doing any of those things. Stubborn. Very stubborn. Like Very a, stubborn. Like a mule. The only time in a year of knowing him that I've ever seen him stubborn. I know. <laughs> yeah, but it was like running the ball into a brick wall over and over again in the defense. Like, up oh, another run for one yard. I wonder if this team's going to try something else. No. And then you did a couple of irons that went better, but still you're t- shanking them off the toe. It's yep. kind of a mess. So at the end... As, as Maura alluded to, we're running out of time because the whole thing is timed, right? We're running out of time. We have the last two or three minutes. We're playing different approach shots at Pebble Beach. And we're like, Justin, you got to go. You got to go. You got to go. So he runs up there, ball dispenses, and without looking or anything, <laughs> yep. he hits the best shot of the day yeah. by far. Perfect. Pure. By far. Pure. Absolutely pure as an iron yep. to within about seven feet of the hole. Yep. Best so, shot of the day. Yep. And saying? I got myself thinking about that. <laughs> okay. And about the conversation we've been having this week about the pitch clock yes. Oh. Yes. and about Jared Kelman. Way to bring it home. And whether or yeah. not, I was thinking about this yesterday as it was happening, whether or not Jared will benefit from the pitch clock because he won't have an opportunity to get into his own head and think through all of the things that could be happening and how the mm-hmm. umpire screwed him and how it's 2-2. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's just got to get right back in the box. Seaball, hit ball. Seaball. And I came to the conclusion that Justin is psyching himself out. Yep. That he's got all the skills yeah. to be a very good golfer. Thank yeah. you. But that unfortunately his brain has gotten involved yeah. and is taking him completely out of it. Maybe yep. something else he involved. But I also think that I'm an instinct player is what you're trying to say. Yes. Well, I, I mean, that's one way of looking at it. I don't think that's the word I was using. Okay. But, yeah, I think that you've got to take your head out of it so uh-huh. that you can have more success. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, somebody screaming at me over my shoulder while I'm trying to play golf. It's oh. not the normal environment when I'm trying oh, to I'm playing golf. Whoa. Oh. Who was doing that? I don't know. Jeez. Somebody with the uh, loudest clap in the universe. Uh, who was doing that? Uh. Brock was very enthusiastic. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Coach I appreciated last night. the support. Yep. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for doing Gosh, that. that was a great time. Well, we did that after uh, watching the ball game yesterday and then taping a couple of interviews. So you guys are kind of in for it today. You know how at the end of the fireworks show, they just, like, light whatever they got left? Yep. Like, all right, grand finale. <laughs> light them. And they all kind of go up and the <laughs> That's kind of what we've got today for our final day. So, Jerry DePoto, because he was really good yesterday, we'll play that for you at 6.30 if you missed it. 7 o'clock, normally not a time where we do guests, but 7 o'clock this morning. We may. We, we will make an exception yes. uh, for the beautiful singing voice of one Eugenio <laughs> Suarez, who's We're never joined the show. We're getting a pre-performance. Yes. Right before he goes out and sings. And I'll let you know. In talk, you told me I did good guests. I was on yesterday with Wyman and Bob. A lot of fun, by the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bob agreed. He said he'd be happy to try to do a duet. Oh, that's fantastic. With Eugenio, oh, nice. if he would be up for it. He's a, typical Bob. I was like, hey, I heard this. And he's like, what song? 
Right. I was like, you know, Bob, I don't know. I mean, you oh. guys could probably work that out yourself. We heard it's Celine Dion that he's doing this today. <laughs> I don't know if Bob wants to do that. All right. Well, I don't know whether Bob's got that in him these days, but regardless, he's like, what song? Dude, I don't care. Just I thought it would be fun if you... If you Are you into it. the idea to begin with? Right. <laughs> do we have to jump all the way to Z? Let's yeah. start at A and B. Anyway, uh, so Eugenia will join us at 7 o'clock. At 7.30, Joe Fan. Mm. At 8 o'clock, Shannon Dreyer. Mm. At 8.30, Cal Raleigh will come in and, and sit down Justin's with Justin's maybe potential while. future roommate. Well, it sounded My like guy. we taped that yesterday mm-hmm. after the game, and it sounded like there was at least like a potential connection. I don't know how Betsy feels about that. Who? Oh, yeah. Cal was just walking in, and he gave me the, like, yeah. look at me, too. <laughs> hey, man. What's up? Like, what's up? Hey. What's up? What kind of room is chat? Be? Yeah, I, so I think he played a, yesterday. He's got some time today to hang out. It's all distinct I'm saying. possibility. We have Logan too, and then Logan Gilbert Jeez. at nine thirty, and then right fireworks. after Logan. I mean, what better way to cap off an entire <laughs> week of great baseball conversation and guests yep. than with Larry Salk, my dad, coming in to rank bats? Mm, mm, so mm, that's mm. Uh, that's the day we have planned out for you guys. It's our final day here in Peoria. We don't want to leave, or at least I don't. Uh, I would like to stay down here and do another week. And I've been saving a couple little things. I just, you know, no, I've not oh. been sandbagging, but I've got a couple things in my pocket. Couple observations, ju- yeah, that have just been percolating all along here. So. It's some point, those notes. Yeah, at some point we got to do a couple observations. We're going to have some time. Oh, I good. promise we're going to okay. have some time throughout the day. So stick around. This is going to be, again, like the end of the fireworks show, the grand finale <laughs> from Peoria. Mariner <laughs> Spring Training needs to know next. Brock and Salt, Seattle Sports on 17. <laughs> Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Nice little comeback yesterday for the Mariners as they beat San Diego with a little walk-off. Somebody named A-Rod. A-Rod. I don't don't know who that is. Alberto, 5'11", 225. Thank you for helping out there. Uh, Those are fun. It's nice to see that, but the important stuff certainly happened much earlier. Logan Gilbert making his first start of the spring, and he was up. Okay. He was a little up in the zone, had trouble getting the ball where he wanted it, gave up a couple of runs, but he did throw his new splitter a couple of times, got at least one swing and miss, got service, likes the pitch, but I wouldn't say he loves it. You know, as Logan always does, he's always, you know, focused on picking up one or two things to make him a little bit better. Last year, he tried to pick up the tempo in his, his delivery um, and his times of the play and all that other stuff, which he was able to do uh, much better, I think. Uh, focus has kind of come up with a, a changeup or a split, whatever that could be a little bit more uh, usable for him. What I've seen in bullpens has been outstanding, and it, it seems of all the guys that have played around with it, this might be the most advanced or farthest down the road. Again, I don't want him to go out there and throw 20 of them in the game. It should be like a 10 to 12, 15 percent pitch. Um, it could help him with lefties. <laughs> I love Scott cool. handles. He's like, yeah. I mean, I like it. I don't want to see it. I don't love it. But I kind of like it. <laughs> you know what I did like? Eugenio Suarez, not only going deep, but doing it to right center field. If he can start taking the ball the other way, yep. that will be his secret to repeating his performance from last week. Guys making good plays in the field. You know, you've always said, instead of the bunch this week, saw pitching, pitching, pitching. But the component with pitching, pitching, pitching is, and the jelly to the peanut butter is defense. And Colton Wong, nice play. Uh, Suarez, a beautiful play to get, I think, Machado or earlier in the, or Nelson Cruz early in the game so some pretty good defense as well and for Logan first time out right they've been like hey a little slow it down slow it down they're gonna limit some of the innings here and there it still has to be something to two things number one a new pitch clock 
And number two, that Padres lineup, I don't know if there's a better one, two, three in baseball. It's Tatis, uh, it's Soto, it's Machado, and then it's Nelly. So there's maybe a reason that ball was up and out of the zone with a little adrenaline pumping yesterday. Yeah, I'm not too worried. I think he will get himself back on track, but there you go. First start of the spring for Logan. Here's the second thing you need to know. Combine now fully underway with guys getting measured, running, and everything yesterday. It can be a valuable tool, obviously, for evaluation. But John Schneider, joining Wyman and Bob yesterday, said for him, he can do a whole lot more. Definitely all of it. It's meeting with uh, other general managers or other, uh, you know, other cap guys, personnel uh, directors, uh, you know, trying to figure out what the, the, the uh, freight to market landscape is going to look like, uh, setting up, um, trying to set up possible trades, uh, trade scenarios, uh, you know, whether that be, you know, uh, in the, you know, on, you know, setting up for draft day or just in the offseason in general, uh, trying to figure out, you know, what people's caps look like, cap casualties. Um, yeah, just really trying to get a lay of the land. And from a percentage standpoint, I mean, it's really, I mean, it's 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 definitely like a, uh, you know, 7 o'clock till, you know, call it 3 o'clock type of uh, process. 3 o'clock in the morning. That's what I would get out of that, right? Yeah, 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Good 20-hour days. And I think John said this was his 30th or so combine. Obviously, just the second with draft capital like this, A.J. Hawk, the last time they had a, a number five pick while he was in Green Bay. So he's been there. He's done it. But there's still a level of excitement. And, you know, when they take those shots and they show the different teams and the booths and their, in, their, in their suites, and John's up there with Pete watching, and yesterday in particular, watching the biggest need position for these Seahawks and watching dude after dude after dude run, and many of them jump and show an explosiveness that this, this defense in this front seven certainly needs. But, yeah, all-encompassing job, 20-hour days, and going to be a busy, important week for the Seahawks. Will Anderson owning the pass rush drills, according to our guy Matt Miller, said, He's blown away that he's even working out when so many other guys like him aren't. So, yeah, he was pretty dominant yesterday. And we mentioned this Tyree Wilson, who we've heard quite a bit about, didn't do drills because of his foot injury, but 6'6", 271. So he's a lot bigger than Will Anderson. A lot bigger. Right? I mean, he is a defensive end even in a 3-4. But not as twitchy. Right. But not- Will Anderson is probably a 3-4 outside linebacker. Yes. Right? More Von than Von Miller, Miller yep. style. Okay. Yep. So just so you get an understanding of what kind of direction they could go with either of those two players. And then Jalen Carter is an interior defensive tackle. So a lot of different options available for the Seahawks, potentially, on that defensive line. Nailed it. Here's the third thing you need to know. Deadline day. Lots of deals getting done in the NHL. When I got to my parents' house last night, my dad just... Watching NHL Network, that's pretty much what he oh, does. The Bruins are pretty good. Uh, they're pretty good. They came home after a four-game road trip yeah. across to the West Coast, like all tired and beat Buffalo 7 to I think they're 48 uh, Fastest eight. team to 100 points in NHL yeah, they're, history. Yeah, they're out of control. Pretty good. They're really, yeah. really good. Pretty good. So he just sits around watching NHL Network all night. That's all I see is trade, trade alert, trade alert, trade alert. And like, okay, well, could we get a little something going here? No. Greg Mashinsky joining Bump and Stacy yesterday says they're in probably in the playoffs. By a sheer number game, uh, it, it looks like they might be able to get it because they're only really competing maybe with one other team that's outside the playoffs looking in, which is Calgary Flames. And, um, you know, do I expect them to make any big moves? No, because they're not in the East, uh, which is apparently the uh, the the requirement that this deadline for uh, making a huge move is being based in the Eastern Conference. It is an absolute arms race over there. Well, that's definitely true. Um, but they got a little bonus last night. Calgary lost to Toronto. So hopefully that Wouldn't helps. Wouldn't you be a little surprised if they don't make any move? 
Zero? Zip, would, zilch? I mean, they have so many options. I wonder if there's a paralysis by analysis. But we have seen, and I know the NHL hasn't been here, but we've seen this team over the years yeah. buy and sell at the same time. Jack Sorensic did it. Jerry Depoto has done what it. What if they like what they have? I mean, look, I'm always in favor of making deals and trying to get yourself better however you can. But if you're looking at it and going, you know, we like our young players. We like Geeky. We like Susie. I mean, if they like all those guys and they think that they're going to continue to grow, I guess that's the one scenario in which you don't. Anyway, trade deadline today. They do get a win yesterday. Overtime winner for Oliver Bjorkstrand, his second of the night. There you go. That is everything you need to know. And we do that quarter past every hour. I should also point out, you know where they kind of could use some help? In net. Right. I mean, Martin Jones pulled last night mid game and Grubauer came in and kind of finished it off. But like neither of those guys, every time it looks like one of them is going to kind of seize the job and kind of get it going. Is they, it fair they, to say? They lose it again. Is it fair to say a hockey goalie is like a uh, like a quarterback? If you've got two, you really don't have one. No, not really. That's not fair. No, because both guys have to play, right? It's you know, nobody can play eighty-two games; it's too much. So no, you you want to have two, but you do want to have. I would say that's one of the Bruins' strength this year True. is that they have two really good goalies. Mm-hmm. You can rest one a little bit. I, I think it's more just neither of these guys has seized the day. I mean, yeah. they've both been okay, right? And a couple of games, Grubauer looks like he's going to be that number one dude, and then yeah, he gives up a six spot. You know, like, no. that's not number one goalie kind of material. So I, I don't know what's going on there. Both guys have kind of, and they've spent a lot at the goalie position between these two guys and uh, and um, the kid Drieger. Wow. I mean, they've spent some on this position, and it just okay. it doesn't seem like it's worked out really. Two little notes right there. Bryce Miller. I've kind of connected with Bryce. I don't know if you've seen that. I did see. I don't know if it's the yesterday. BR. I don't know if it's the – he he's wearing the same Lulu camo pants yeah. I am That's right a nice now. look for you. Yeah, Does he sound you. as country as he looks? He, he sounds pretty country. Okay. Yep, he's, he's fairly <laughs> country. Blonde yes, sir. mustache. Yes, sir. No, sir. And all sir. the camo, you just assume. Yeah, yes, sir. No, sir. And can I give a quick shout out? Biggest win in Wazoo women's hoops history. Mm, pretty Utah, right? stinking cool for them. Yeah, biggest win ever. They're going to make the tournament for the third time. That coach there has done a remarkable job. They've been to one tournament in the history of the program, wow. and she's taken them back to back to back with their biggest beating Utah last night in conference. Play. I saw that actually. Pretty cool. Stanford's still sort of the yeah. queens of the Pac-12. Yep. yep. Don't know if they're going to win the whole tournament, but uh, yeah, they got Colorado in the semis. And- Brink. Oh, she's a, she's really good. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've seen her a little bit. Yeah. She's really good. Six six. They also have some people on that team with like great basketball names. Don't they have a like dunk or a block or like a jump? Jump. Hannah jump. They've got a jump <laughs> on she a can basketball shoot it team. Too. Yeah. Don't they have go. another two? Maybe not. Anyway, yeah. all right. Jerry Depoto, uh, we had an opportunity to sit down with yesterday, and there's a lot in here. But specifically, if you were interested in names. Guys who could be difference makers for this team. I think you're going to want to listen to what Jerry had to say next. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com. This, this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. All right, rolling along here at spring training. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710. Wearing some old school Mariner winter gear, Jerry Depoto. It is in fact table. winter. <laughs> what is going on here? Still yeah. see our breath. We're saying, look, Arizona. That's all we're asking is to hit the back of your baseball cart. No one's asking you to go and do anything that you haven't done before. Just hit the back of your baseball cart. If you've been a two seventy five hitter, hit two seventy five. You've been a seventy degree March kind of player. Let's just hit seventy. Be that guy. Be that guy. I I think that's the, so far we haven't had, there's been two, what I would think to be good weather days. And, uh, 
you know, outside of that, I try to stay inside as much as I can. It's it's been a little. Cool. I said that to Salky. I yeah. said, hey, I haven't seen Jerry walking around as much He's in years past. Now we know the answer. Yeah, New Jersey guy who said, "I'm out of here. I'm not dealing with the cold." I pop anymore. in. I pop out. <laughs> Actually, you know, Justin walked by my office. This was a couple of days ago, about a week ago, and uh, and I said, "Where are you headed?" He was all bundled up, sweatshirts, he had the hat on, and I, and I said, "Where are you headed?" He goes out to watch live BP. I said, "Who's throwing?" He said, The Rock. I said, I trust he's good. I'll see him next time. <laughs> hey, is some of that by design also? I mean, as you and Justin have sort of moved into your newer roles, I know that you know you still do this and, and a lot of the outward-facing stuff, but I, I would think some of that might be by design to get Justin as the general manager out there and, and sort of into that role more. You know, he's always been. He's always been fairly active, pretty present on the field with the players in the spring, you know, in and out, getting to know people. I mean, he's doing more in terms of, you know, outward-facing media media this spring than he ever has before, which I think is, that's by design and I think a good thing. But by and large, our our interaction, the way we work together, hasn't changed considerably. You know, he's a, he was always responsible for much more than people were aware of. Now it's just something that we've made a little more public. How much trust is there between you two? Uh, I think it's seamless. We're, we're, you know, as a rule, we've been together for most of the last decade. And, you know, he knows how I think. I generally know how he thinks. Uh, he is... Uh, He's strong enough to tell me, I think you're a little crazy there, <laughs> to I think you're out of your mind and usually use some some colorful ways of expressing that. But uh, there's I, I lean on him for just about everything we do. I Any idea that I have, I bounce on off of him before I go anywhere else with it. And and generally speaking, I think that's the, the he feels the same way. It's a reciprocal type of relationship. You know, Jerry, many fans have gotten through HBO's Hard Knocks to see behind the scenes in football, right? Especially training camps through the years. I don't know if you've ever taken those in or watched any Hard Knocks, but cameras are all over the place. They're in meetings rooms, they're in personnel meetings and everything else. I think we got a pretty good sense for what Hard Knocks and what an NFL training camp's like. If there was a camera following you and Justin and all day long today, walk me through what, what a day and an evaluation and, and just spring training at this stage now looks like. Uh, it, it's certainly not hard knocks, you know, <laughs> the, although I've had my fair share through the years. You know, this is mostly, you know, the early stages of spring training. We're trying not to evaluate. You're, you're going to get excited by what you see with some guys, but the biggest mistakes that you'll make as an evaluator in our mm-hmm. game are typically made in February and in early March. You know, you're going to get too excited by by something that, that grabs your attention in the early bullpens in the six-pack. An oppo taco on an 0-2 count yesterday. Yeah. There's, there are reasons to be excited. You know? <laughs> and, I, you know, I will say that you try to temper your, your, your excitement while building the, the optimism when you see, especially with the young players. I, mm-hmm. I've said this before, with old players, never, when you when you look at a player who's been around for 10, 12 years, they're in spring training, and, and they're, they're preparing, don't look at them through the lens of, man, he doesn't look good. You know, with the young player, oftentimes, you're seeing the best that they have to offer. And when the games start, the competition on the field is a, is a fine time to start assessing where the young players are. Because they come to work every day, and they're there to show you the best of what they have. Mm-hmm. The veteran player is more in, in line with, you know, preparing himself for the season. They, they, they feel a degree of comfort in, in where their position lies on the roster. And there's less urgency. Mm-hmm. So so, you know, as we get deeper into the spring now, we might that those those two roads may intersect and somewhere about the middle of March, you're going to start assessing players, you know, on the same plane rather than trying to separate them by experience. So where is Jared Kelnick at right now? 
could not be any more optimistic about the changes that he's made. And then some of this is is not just the results that he's achieving in the game. It's not just how good he's looked on the fields in, in practice from the moment we got here. It's what we know of his offseason and and the things that he's done to to focus on what we're seeing, which is you know some level of swing change, some level of approach change, some level of of just adapting to you know major league pitching. It's just taking him a little while longer than it takes others. Is his swing shortened? You hear that so often, I think, with players through the years, and especially with the stuff they're facing now. And Salk and I got to see the trajectory arc. Like, the stuff coming at you, it's just different. It's coming in pretty good. Is, is it, I mean, is it oversimplification to say, yeah, you know, he's just continued to kind of shorten that swing? He's always had a pretty short or direct swing. You know, mm-hmm. Jared's swing, if you were to look at it from the moment we, we acquired him, it's a pretty flat swing, you know, and, and uh, which is not uncommon with good hitters who use the field to hit and you know through the years you, you would define flat swings as if you looked at batting champs or the guys that are at the top of the, the the batting average leaders very common he's got a little more tilt in his swing and it's shorter on the front end you know on the front end is that there's there's a little more you know uptick you know mm-hmm. as he as he comes through the zone and then he's and he's shorter on the extension on the backside which i think gives him more barrel control through the strike zone and uh it's certainly i will say this i don't, I don't think he's hit a ball under 100 miles an hour since the since the spring began and and you know he's he's roasting the the league and that it's 105 to 113 mile an hour exit velocity almost every time he swings the bat which is it, pretty good it's pretty good we're always impressed with his maturity I, I mean we talk a lot about how young he is and and for good reason baseball maturity i think he's still probably growing into it but i, I think he gets really an unfair reputation I think people think he's a meathead because they kind of see him and they heard the smell you later and some of the brashness that he had when he first came up. And then every time we sit down with him and people hear him and actually listen to him throughout an interview, we just get a completely different reaction because he's thoughtful, because he's smart, because he seems to starting. It seems like he's starting to have an understanding of who he is. Oh, I think that's true. But I think the you know the idea the idea that he was ever a meathead is probably a, an assumption. Yeah. There's a, he's actually very smart. He's very prepared. He's an intense player on the field and and in the way he works, you know, off of the field. And you know, the fact that he was brash, particularly when he first arrived here, it's that's you know that's where you can read a little of that into. I think he's grown there too. You know, if if you follow him around this spring, it's a there is a there's a definite maturation that has happened over the course and I even go back to midsummer last year from midsummer last year to where we sit today he has matured so much and and you're never going to find anyone who was more intent with their work habits who came to the ballpark with a plan who had goals to what he wanted to achieve you know, now he's combined that with you know he's 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 grown up quite a bit and and I think he's learned better how to deal with the the, the ups and downs you know baseball is you know it's a long season and mm-hmm. you know if you get two down with the downs it, it's very hard to recover and i think he's doing a great job with that how's perry hill's infield man have you watched any of perry hill over there he's okay I, he's a myth you know <laughs> he's a, he's a mythical character perry hill he's, he's, a he's machine, excellent man he is so fun because he's right next to us with anybody from someone that wanted to learn how some of the fundamentals so he could coach a softball team to colton wong over here with that discipline and you know we were just talking about it earlier is, is this commenter you would know better than i 
But to see the coaches around here, Edgar's coaching here, Dan Wilson's coaching here, Alvin Davis is coaching here, Ichiro is coaching here. Is that common in baseball, that to have former players, Cameron's here, is engaged coaching as we see here? Ichiro's here. I said Ichiro. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, Ichiro's here. always here. Always. <laughs> He's here all day. Yeah. Um, you know, it, so, for more, it's more common for some organizations than it is for others. You know, we, it, for us, it's very common to have those, you know, those types of presence around. You know, I think here this month, I anticipate we'll see Ken Griffey Jr. a little bit as he starts to integrate for the WBC. Um, it, we've had great players who who have stuck around the organization, yeah. and you know, I, I think that's it's what it is. It's a great resource for our players more so than any nugget that they might give them as to how to pick up a ground ball or how to hit a fastball it's a resource resource for them for what we were talking about a moment ago with jk it's how you manage your way through the season it's the the psychology of being a long season baseball player and mm-hmm. and these guys have done it as well as any players have ever done it and to, to use those resources is wise and then we've done i think organizationally a great job of keeping those players around our system for that reason it was cool hearing julio talk a little bit uh, what was it two days ago that we talked to julio about at least one of the guys up on that on that uh, mural in Ichiro because something's happening to to Julio. He's becoming a superstar, and most of that is great, and some of it is going to come with some trade-offs, right, and some challenges that are ahead of him, and not too many people understand what it's really like. I know you were around a couple superstars in your day as a player, and you've had a couple here in Seattle, but it was cool to hear uh, Julio say that he's talked to Ichiro a little bit about that, and and I would think it'd be something on your mind and Scott's mind almost all the time. How do you help this kid achieve everything you need him to achieve and be a face of baseball without it becoming a problem for him and a challenge for him to deal with? You know, so much of it is going to be because of the way Julio was raised and wired. You know, if you meet Julio's parents, there's a, he, there, they have, they have set a bar, you know, for, for the way you, you go about doing things, the way you go about your business. And it's very clear in how Julio treats people and how he interacts with his teammates. You know, that's step one. And, and that takes care of a good deal of it. I'm always reminded, you know, when I think of two really unique situations, when I talk about where I think about, you know, players evolving into stars or what it's like to be in that type of fishbowl. And, you know, I always think of the, the great Marilyn Monroe, Joe DiMaggio interaction where, you know, Marilyn Monroe says, you can't imagine what it's like to have millions of people adore you every day and the pressure that that creates. And and Joe DiMaggio said, I have a pretty good idea. <laughs> and, you know, it, they just did it in different worlds. And, and years ago when I was with the Angels, when Mike Trout had just finished his rookie of the year and now he's, you know, finished second in the MVP and he's come out for his second spring training, I can remember Albert Pujols being interviewed. Uh, it was a live interview on tape and, and uh, or on film and, and And he was asked the question, can you imagine a a player this young being this good and how you how do you manage that? And he said, yeah, I I can imagine it. (laughs) And having players that have been through that. And this is our great fortune with guys like Junior and Ichiro, especially who experience this at at really the, 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 the top level that you can experience it where they're international superstars. Uh, Julio is trending in that direction. He's, he's very popular among major league fans right now. He's super popular in our fan base, you know, and he has, he has something different than just the skills on the field that, that he brings to the table. 
uh, helping him manage that is is going to be best seen through people who've been through it before because the rest of us are just trying to keep him you know i, I guess rooted the others can teach him how to handle the you know the, the the asteroids that come flying in from outer space well i'll tell you what's different his eyes uh, he, he has got like uh, beautiful I mean, they're just does they're, beautiful. Eyes. They are beautiful eyes. And then he sat where you're sitting and he doesn't take his eyes. Like when you talk to him, I was exhausted. I, I was done after the interview because I can't look away. Like he's not looking away. So I can't look away. Does he engage you in that same just? It, oh, yeah. But it's not. It's it, it's so endearing. You know, yes. he, his, I'll give you a quick you know anecdote. And my, my daughter, my younger daughter, spent seven years in Hong Kong. And she came back from Hong Kong after not being in the United States for seven years and she happened to come back in july of 2022 and i'm standing in my living room watching the 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 home run derby and she comes over and stands next to me as the 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 crowd is roaring and julio's smiling is hitting another homer and they did a a close-up with what i thought were awesome you know camera angles at the home run derby last year and they got on top of julio and she said oh my god look at his eyes (laughs) she said he is going to be a star and she didn't know anything about him hitting homers had never heard of him before that day it was he has a different you know a, a different magnetism that, that doesn't you know exist with every player that you run across and he wants to which is also something you don't identify with about this a few minutes ago but brock and i've really been struck by how many good dudes are on this team and and it i, I want to ask you how you achieve that but also it finally feels like this is a hundred percent your team and Scott's team. And, it, you know, it's been eight years. And I think we could say that over time it grew in percentage-wise year. And I was thinking about it. This finally feels like it was entirely built by you and Scott exactly the way you guys want this. I think, I think that's true. As well. Yeah, and, and Justin's been a part of it really from, you know, just about from day one. But you know, and I could qualify Andy McKay is uh, you know players that have grown through our system few people have had a bigger impact on their careers than than Andy or some of the the coaches that have been here for so many years but that's the you know it takes time and i know scott was quoted in a, in a recent story in in just that way we have had the benefit of an ownership group that allowed us to do this mm-hmm. that allowed us to take the time to do it right and and not to have to go back and plug holes because you tried to shortcut it and you know and have a long range plan and and this was, if you think about it, when we when we went through our rebuild after the 2018 season, the commitment that that required from ownership to say, I understand that that it might get a little bumpy. We trust you, and and I do think that this was what we envisioned was a team. It's it's not just 2060. We had 76 guys in camp, and they're great guys. 59 last yeah. year. Right. right, 59 guys played in the majors last year for you. God, I just I look at, at what you've got, and it sure seems like you may use another 55 plus this year again. You and in and, and today's game, you will due to injuries, due to the, the you know the the bumps and the bruises that you experience. You know, guys wind up on the IL, and and that's the way it works. But you know, you want to have depth. I've never been more confident in the depth that we've had organizationally than the group you see today. So, give me a couple guys who you're not counting on. You don't need them to have career years as we. Said, just, or even be their baseball right, card. Or even hit their baseball card like Arizona's starting to start to warm up a little bit here. Give me a few guys who, if they had a great season, would just be 
icing on the cake and really awesome for your team? You know, maybe the most encouraged uh, I am about any player who who and what he's come into camp in the non Jared Kelnick category, because I think that is the first answer to the question is, you know, if J.K. is able to break out and do the things that we think or believe he's capable of, it just changes our entire the view of our team, you know, and and that's both internal and external. And part of what we're betting on, you know, we've we've bet on on him. And I I think he is going to deliver on that. And we're we're seeing the early stages. Uh, The other guy who's really shown up and can change the way we see ourselves is Robbie Ray. You know, it's a Robbie's a, a, a year removed from a Cy Young award. His first two outings in the spring have been awesome. And, and, and it's very, very 2021 Robbie Ray. I think we're seeing a different version of him there. Mm-hmm. You know, I could put Marco in that bucket. You know, Marco is, you know, very quietly of, since 2018. Marco's third in the American League in innings, third in the American League and wins. You know, he's, if, if this were 1977, we would be celebrating the things that, that Marco delivers every day. And, you know, and instead, Instead, we, we, we've dealt with a lot of scrutiny about what the things he doesn't do. But he does do a lot of really positive things and delivers a lot of quality starts. And that type of depth makes us a different team. You know, and I think it's just finding that one bat that clicks for us. You know, who that bat is, I'm not entirely sure yet in our system. Uh, as we cycle through the, the DH position, you want one guy to be able to step up and take a bulk of those. That could be Evan White. You know, and it's a guy we're not really counting on coming into spring training, who I think has looked outstanding in the early going. Again, trying to temper the enthusiasm, mm-hmm. but he changes our team defensively if, if he hits. And, and he doesn't have to hit fourth or fifth. He can hit seventh or eighth and and if he hits it just changes the way our team is perceived and the way our team functions how about just from a data standpoint is now a week and a half in starting to play some games that you start to collect some of your numbers are there some younger guys that you know some of those minor leaguers that you're starting to look at some whoa the spin rate or this velo or this exit velo in the cage are there a few that are kind of popping there are more than a few uh you know the, the one who pops immediately or two that pop immediately we've talked extensively about one is Bryce Miller. Uh, his first outing was everything that you could have you know, envisioned, and and really did pop. The, the 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 data you know attached to his fastball, especially, has been you know, it's it's otherworldly. We think it's the most impactful fastball in the minor leagues for a pitcher who starts. You know, it's a, it's a different quality if you're if you're talking about short relievers. Mm-hmm. And then the other guy who really jumped off the page in terms of pitch quality was Perlander Baroa. And you know, it, it was three pitches that really blew up the the data systems and and uh, very impressive in how he managed the strike zone. You know, that's something that that if he figures that out, he's 22 years old. If Perlander figures out command with the physical stuff he has changes the world for us i think i see luis with him an awful lot yeah. you know in his bullpens and in conversations i think luis looks at him and goes "Ooh, this kid's got some kind of special stuff too eating lunch you know they'll, they'll and this is you know that this is a very close-knit team and i know you guys have been around it a little bit and you know, i've never been around a baseball team and i said that part of my opening you know the to with the group and i and i try not to be you know as verbose as i am in situations like these i'll, I'll be shorter and to the point you know, he. Uh, this group is about as close as any I've encountered. They enjoy playing together more than any other group I've ever had. And, uh, you know, part of that is because the young guys feel comfortable with the veteran players. The veterans are giving to the young guys. They all, you know, they connect with the community. It's a, it's really, uh, I, I pinch myself every day when I get to the ballpark that we have, you know, some of it is luck. Some of it is, is by design. Some of it is, uh, is, 
the, a good selection process in, yeah. in the human being rather than just the talent. And and when you're around Luis Castillo, you're not going to be around a better guy. He's an inviting personality. He's he he's got a smile for everyone. He's going to give you the time of day. And you know when if I'm Perlander Baroa and I look at our staff and I think. Who do I want to be like? You know, I, I might pick the rock too. <laughs> I really, really like him. I really like Luis Castillo. He it's, is, it's a bit much. Yeah, they've been playing the ghost music yeah, from the, from the Potter's Wheel and all that for no. me, but he's a real ace. And, and it is funny. He does have a lot of kind of early Felix to him. I mean, the repertoire to me, I always think Pedro. But when I see him and the way he kind of just casually moves around here and the smile... He's not aloof at all. Felix at the end kind of maybe got a little aloof, but he's got some of that like, just confidence that comes with being an ace. He, he really does. And cool. and I think, you know, that in, in itself is what makes an ace an ace, you know, and and, uh, and he, he has a way that he carries himself. It, it, he's very confident, uh, also very smart. You know, it, it, when you sit down and you talk to, to Luis, he's, he's laid back, he's relaxed, he's very uh, aware of what's happening around him. And, and I think he is aware in a way that maybe he wasn't when he was younger as to how he can affect positively affect every outcome the day that day's game even when he's not pitching by things he does with the younger guys like a prelander broa we've just had so much fun down here jerry honestly i mean talking to logan gilbert about his weird bag of toys and talking to paul seawald about his understanding of the game and where he was at to where he is now talking to tay oscar this morning who just uh, he's kind of an interesting one we were talking about him with shannon a few minutes ago he seemed at first to maybe be a little bummed out, right? I mean, he, he had grown close to those guys in Toronto, loves the idea of being wanted, but also it's a little bit of a disruption. He's here on a one-year deal. You know, I, I'm kind of curious to see how he gets almost assimilated into the Mariner culture this year. You know, he seems to have fit in right away. It's at first, you know, and you hit on it. It doesn't take more than a couple of minutes in sitting down with Teo to think, boy, I really like this guy. He's, a, he's easy to spend time with. He's He's very, you know, he's confident, but soft-spoken. You know, he is. Mm -hmm. He's very authentic. Uh, When you play anywhere for as long as he played in Toronto, you're going to, you create relationships. You you really feel like you're part of of the fabric and it's hard to move on. You know, I I was traded twice in my career. He's now been traded twice. It's a, that's, that's a tough thing. And, uh, you know, you move on, you'll adapt. Players adapt. And, you know, like part of why we set up the, the, the systems, the, the, the programs, the way we have, part of why that we are proud of the way our clubhouse community has evolved is it, is it allows the next player to come in and feel like he's part of it. And I, and I think very quickly you look around the room and, and you see A.J. Pollock, how quickly he assimilated. You see Teo and how quickly he became part of it. You see Colton, you know, and how quickly he is... Wow, this is—it's a little bit different, and I like the way it's different. I'm—I'm—I'm uh, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that environment. Well, thank you. We appreciate it. Thanks for bringing in a bunch of guys for us to interview. Yep. It's a lot more fun than it was maybe ten years ago <laughs> when we were searching, going, "I don't know who we're going to talk to. We're going to need to find somebody over here who will actually come sit down with us." It's radio host Dream, man. We're having a blast this week. Thanks, Jerry. We appreciate it. All right, guys. Thanks, there you Jerry. go. Our weekly chat with Jerry Depoto. We'll be right back. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on Seven Ten.